Television program created by Rio Grande. As we just broke down the sheriff's office, calling all cars, attention all cars to broadcast 286 regarding this conversion. Be on the lookout for Marion Williams, age 18 years, 5 feet 2 inches, weighs about 105 pounds. Was last seen at the Emanuel Church, that's all, Rosen Church. Why is this all-purpose quality of the new Rio Grande cracked gasoline so important? Well, which would be better? To saddle your automobile with half a dozen gas tanks, each one carrying a fuel stressing one purpose, or to have only one gas tank filled with a gasoline embodying a scientifically perfect blend of all ingredients essential to meeting every requirement? I understand. Other gasolines have some of these ingredients in varying proportions, but all-purpose Rio Grande cracks has twice as many as ordinary motor fuels, and they're so skillfully combined in the new Rio Grande track that it's always ready to meet any type of emergency demand. Many thousands of our friends found out all they wanted to know about all-purpose Rio Grande track gasoline during the past week, and are in full agreement with drivers of police cars and fire engines in all parts of the state who made their private checks before our public announcement that this amazing new gasoline is the all-purpose motor fuel of the West. Drive into the red and white Rio Grande station in the morning and try it. One tankful of all-purpose Rio Grande cracks, and you'll find out why it is more than ever the most highly recommended gasoline sold in the West. The facts around which tonight's Calling All Cars program has been written were taken from the confidential files of the Sheriff of San Francisco County. We have therefore asked Sheriff Daniel C. Murphy to open our program from the studios of KSFO. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The story we are to hear tonight is one that has long been famous in California. At the time of its solution, it attracted nationwide attention for the brilliant work which law enforcement officers did in bringing the criminal to justice. The methods of police officers have changed with the times, and more modern equipment makes the work of the law enforcement officer less difficult. But time cannot change the unalterable fact that no matter how cunningly a criminal conceals his crime, he cannot win. Sooner or later, he is brought to justice and impressed with the truth of the law that crime of any sort is a losing game. An early April twilight fell over the mission Dolores section of San Francisco. The tall spire on the bell tower of the Emanuel Church cast a long black shadow that streaked sideways down the slanting roof and over the stained glass windows, ending abruptly in the square of yellow light that streamed from the library window. Inside, the good women of the church were preparing to decorate for the coming Easter day. Martha. 
Have you seen the new minister yet this evening? I want to ask him about the lilies. No, my dear, I haven't. You need to No, I haven't either. But if you ask me, I'm going to have my suspicions about that man. You don't mean, Mrs. Chilton. You oh, don't, don't have very much to go on, but if you remember our last minister, and forgive Mrs. Chilton, don't even mention his name. You don't mean anything he has anything to do with that. Well, I don't misunderstand you, Mr. Chilton. I didn't tell you exactly. Well, poor little Blanche Lamont. She was such a sweet little thing. Not. But you think that I would have guessed. It could be. No one's seen her since last Wednesday night. And you know Marion Williams is so upset about it. She and Blanche were such good friends. They would almost like sisters. Speaking of Marion Williams, did you know that she wasn't as indebted as you know? Mm-hmm. That's what we talk about anymore. All this disappearance and mystery frightens me half to death. Where the shadow of the church fire had fallen the evening before, 
Detectives Harvey and Andrews begin a careful search of the church, while high above them the bells in the tower join in the scream of time to the risen face. Oh, there you are. And who are you? We're detectives. Who are you? I'm the section of this church. Ah, you're also ringing those bells? Ringing those bells, indeed. I'll have you to know I was saying the Easter morning time. Ah, I beg your pardon. A minute you were finished, we wanted you to help us search the building. And why do you say so, then? You want to start at this floor? Yeah, yeah. Where do these stairs go? Up to the gallery. There's more up there going up to the bell tower. Well, that's about the only place left. So come on. Yeah. The doors of the bell tower right over there. Yeah. Hey, look there. The handle's broken off. Uh, Anders, see if you can get it open. All right, Harvey. Not going to do anything with it. Lock. You got a key to this door, Texas? No, my key only fits the front door. And why do you keep the uh, church doors locked? Well, of course we do. Uh, it's no respect to the holy edifice. Well, who has the keys to the church besides you? Mr. Horsey, the organist, has one. Mr. Durant has one to the side door, and our pastor has a complete set. Do you ever use the side door? Never. I have to lock up when I leave, and I always use the front door. Who has a key to the door? I don't know. Say, Harvey, all this talk isn't getting this door open. Well, I hate to do this, especially in the church, but I guess there's nothing else to do but break it down. All right, Andrew. There we go. One, two, three. All right, one, four. Yeah. Watch your step. Here's a kind of seat. It's kind of dark in here, isn't it? There's a trap door just up there above you. It's probably so dark in here. Shut. Seems to me you know quite a bit about this fellow, huh? Now, listen, I have to build this church. Does that answer your insinuation? Uh, no harm, man. No. Hey, what's the matter? Got my head on a trap door. Need any help to get it open? Huh? I'll take it locked. Man, I see a little better. Come on up. See anything, Harvey? Huh? Well, over this way, I... Good Lord. What is it? Look over there. Lord have mercy on us. It's left the marble. Oh, Here was the second cold-blooded murder that faced the detective. With their careful search for clues came the first accurate hint of the killer. Beside the body of the dead girl, Detective Harvey makes his first discovery. Andrews, look. Here's some horsehairs. Horsehairs? What would they be doing in this bell tower? Well, that's it. Don't you see? They must have fallen from the clothing of whoever committed this murder. Hey, speaking of hair, look at this girl's fingers. What do you mean? Looks like she put up quite a battle. See there on the fingers of her right hand? And the short hairs. Here. I'm going to take a few of her own and those horsehairs down to the laboratory. Not much to go on, but it's a start. Hey, Harvey, do those marks on her throat look odd to you? Huh? No. Well, if they go one step more in finding the killer, we know he rides a horse and we know the color of his hair. And from those marks, we know we're looking for a man who's left-handed. The following day, a package was sent to Miss Lamont's aunt, containing three rings that belonged to her missing niece. On the newspaper with which the package was wrapped was written the names of Marion Williams' music teacher, the church organist, and the assistant superintendent of the Sunday school. Detective Harvey and Andrews set out to question these men, not forgetting a force, the unknown sender of the package, whose writing was said to resemble that of a minister. 
Professor Crand. I am Professor Crand. Will we see the questions right? Well, no, Professor. We're detectives. I want to ask you a few questions. There were two poor dead girls, Professor. Two, two, eight, two, five. But yes, would you come in, please? I am just this day, seventy-two years, and this dark, with this pain, very long. Won't you come in, please? Well, no, Professor. Just one more question. Can you count your whereabouts for the past week? Yeah, I was right here in my heart. Now I can I walk so good. I never go out in the war. You own a horse and buggy? No, no, no more. But once I did, it was a beautiful horse. Well, thank you, Professor, for answering our questions. And congratulations on your birthday. Well, Andrews, I guess I just about eliminate them. I reckon it does. But let's have another talk with that minister. I think maybe he can add something. Reverend, uh, you have keys to the church. Yes, yes, I have keys to every door. You have a key to that little door leading off the balcony to the bell tower? Uh, certainly. It's a very ordinary lock. Any skeleton key will fit it. Uh, there was no reason for you gentlemen to break it down. Well, you forgot that the handle was broken. Never mind that, Senor. Have you owned a horse? No, no, I do not. You ever ride a horse? Well, I have ridden, but not lately. You see, the limited wealth of my present congregation does not allow me to afford uh, that luxury. Yeah. Uh, here's a brand new comb. Do you mind running it through your hair? Yeah. I'm sure I don't see your point, gentlemen, but if it will oblige you. Yeah. Thank you, Reverend. Now, if you'll just sign this little paper, giving us permission to go through the church at any time. Then you seem to have been doing that already, but if it will help you. Here, give it to me. There you are. No, I see no sense to it. Now, is there anything else? Yes, one more thing. There's a pair of shoes I picked up in your study. Are they yours? Yes, they're mine. Some old ones. Well, I would have taken them to headquarters. I'm curious about these brown stains on them. Gentlemen, many trials and tribulations have fallen my lot. These are turbulent days, but you two would try the patience of Job. Good day. Huh. Looks like we kind of ruffled the feathers a bit. Well, anyway, we got what we wanted. Now let's look up Mr. Halsey, the church organ. Now, Mr. Halsey, where are you? Where were you during the afternoon of April 3rd? I was at the church practicing on the organ. Were you acquainted with the two murdered girls? Yes, I knew them both. Do you own a rider horse? I don't own one, but I do ride occasionally. And would you mind running your hand to your hair? Yeah, thank you. Now well, let me see your hand. Why are you taking those loose hairs? I'm making a collection. Now, Mr. Halsey, we want you to sign it for stating you were in the church on the afternoon of April 3rd. Thank you. Did anyone see you in the church on April 3rd? Why, yes, Mr. Grant saw me. About what time was it? It was about 5 o'clock or a little later. And, say, now that I think about it... About what? He came down out of the belt, huh? What? Yes, sir, and he was as pale as a ghost. He asked me to get him a drink of water, and I did. And what did he say to you? Did he tell you why he'd been up there? Yes, and it seemed rather strange, too. He said he had been fixing the gas lights, and 
But the escaping gas had nearly suffocated him. Well, now I think we're getting someplace. Harvey, let's go back to headquarters and see what the laboratory tests show, and then we'll send for Mr. Durant. But disappointment eluded the two detectives, for the laboratory tests proved that the various samples of hair collected did not match the hairs taken from the Lamont girl's fingers. Nor the stains on the miniature shoes, blood, but oil. Nevertheless, the case was rapidly narrowed. Suspicion was centering on Mr. Durant, who, answering their summons, knocked on Captain Clark's door at headquarters. Come in. Captain Clark? Yes. You come for me. I'm Ted Durant. Oh, yes, yes, come in. Uh, Mr. Durant, this is Detective Harvey, and this is Detective Andrews, the stranger to the two murdered girls. Oh, well, Captain, I'm Mr. Service, sir. We have a few questions we would like you to answer. Gladly, sir. I'll do anything I can to help clear all this up. Uh, do you own a horse, Mr. Durant? No, this is one that I ride quite frequently. And where do you see him stabled? With all the others of the Signal Corps of the National Guard. I'm a member of that troop. Are you still studying to be a doctor? Yes, indeed. I'm in my senior year at the Cooper Medical College here in San Francisco. And how long have you been connected with the church? Well, this is I was a very small boy. My entire family is very religious. Uh, do you spend a lot of time in church work? Yes, sir, I do. Particularly Sunday school work in the young people's endeavor. Uh, where were you on April the 3rd? That was in the early afternoon. I was at medical school. Did you go by the church on your way home? Well, yes, I did. Yeah, I, I had noticed that the grass just of the light fixtures and the belfry needed fixing, so I stopped in to see if I couldn't make the repairs. And Mr. Halsey tells us that you came down out of the bell tower about 5 o'clock. Well, it was about that time, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you see, it. to make the repairs, I had to lie down at full length on the plank, which made my head lower than my feet. Lying in that position, naturally, the blood rushed to my head. It made me feel pretty faint. So when I came down, I, I found Mr. Halsey there. I asked him to give me a drink of water. Then we left the church together about six. What did you do then? Well... Came back to the church later for prayer meeting. I saw Blanche's aunt. I asked her if Blanche was coming to the meeting, and she said that she believed she was. But then, of course, Blanche didn't come. So right after prayer meeting, I went home. And now, if you will, Mr. Durant, uh, I'd like to have you come over here by my desk and certainly check him. What would you have, sir? Uh, just lean your head over this sheet of paper and uh, brush your hair with your hand. Just turn to request, Captain. Why do you want me to do that? Well, thank you, Mr. Durant. We want a sample of your hair. A sample of my hair? Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't need to fill out a handful. <laughs> One or two would have done. Yes. You really are serious about your suspicion, Governor? Where murder is concerned, we must be suspicious of everyone. Is there anything more, sir? Yes, there is. Would you please give us your signature? Uh, here's the pen. We can use that piece of paper to land it. There you are, sir. Well, thank you for coming down here, Mr. Durant. We'll get in touch with you later. I'm glad you've been a service. Good day, gentlemen. Well, Captain, what do you think? Well, he's got a clean record. But just the same, we're going to check this here. And I want you fellas to go out and ask questions. Talk to the church members. Go out to the National Guard stables and uh, get me a few hairs from the horsey ride. Maybe somewhere we'll get a definite lead... And we'll either clear him entirely or sink our case. 
While Detective Harvey went in search of the ranch horse, Andrews called upon church member after church member, finding in the amazing amount of conversation they were willing to divulge only one fact of importance. Durant was late for that Friday night in devil meeting and was seen to enter the washroom before joining the others. At the stables of the National Guard, Detective Harvey quickly found the horse ridden by Ted Durant and secured a sample of hair. Reporting back to the quarters, Harvey and Andrews are again in the office of Captain Clark. Boys, Durant's hair matches the hair found on the Lamont girl's fingers. He was late for endeavor meeting the night Marion Williams was killed. And he was in the bell tower the day Blanche Lamont was murdered. Pardon me for breaking in on you, Captain. Oh, it's all right, Simpson. What is it? The hair sample from Durant's horse matches the sample that was found in the bell tower. And none of the other samples did. Thank you, Simpson. Now, there's one more thing. Let's check and see if Durant really was at school on the afternoon of April 3rd. Attendance records at the medical school showed Theodore Durant's presence on April 3rd. But determined to make certain, Harvey and Andrews began to question some of the students of Durant's class. Did we know Ted Durant? Sure, why? Was he in class on April 3rd? I don't remember. I don't think no. Is there any way the attendance records could show a man was present when he really was absent? Sure. All you got to do is to get something to answer for you when the roll is called. There's so many in the class, nobody pays any attention to you. Did you answer present for Ted Durant on April 3rd? No, sir. Did you answer here for Ted Durant on April 3rd? No. Nope. Did you answer here? Not me. Did you answer? No. Did you? No, what? Did you answer present for Ted Durant on April 3rd? Well, yes. Why? Finally. After 62 others didn't. Well, just why did you answer for him when he wasn't there? He asked me to. He said he had something he wanted to do and didn't want his man to be marked down as absent. We all do it for each other now and then. What kind of a student is he? He's just good grades, if that's what you mean. Is he going for athletics? Sure. And can he pick a baseball? Why, you can put him over with either hand. You mean he uses his left hand as well as his right? Sure. He's going to make a good doctor. He'll be able to operate with either hand. He's really a fine example of ambidexterity. Hmm. You may not know, young fellow, but if you start your medical career, you just find a death warrant. Arriving at the Durant residence, Detective Harvey and Andrews discovered that Ted Durant had gone to Mount Diablo with the signal corps. Checking at the National Guard headquarters, they find that the troops is at that moment in communication with headquarters by means of reflected sun rays for either ground. Explaining their mission to the officer in charge, a strange message begins to fight for Don Diablo. Hey, Captain Bruce, there comes a message from headquarters for you. Yes, sure it is. Let's both put our glasses on. Captain Bruce, urgent, private. Captain, it's not true. It isn't true. It's no joke, Durant. 
Those code signals that the wind's meant official orders. Oh, I'm innocent, Captain. Well, that's not for me to decide. Private Durant, I place you under arrest. Ted Durant was turned over to the local authorities. But there was a weakness in the state's case against him. His denial of guilt was steadfast. No bloody clothing had been found, and there were no eyewitnesses. A confession was needed. Realizing that Theodore Durant possessed a triple personality, his general association with the National Guard, his curious interest in the workings of the human body as evidenced by his choice of profession, and his moral attitude toward life gained through his religious training, Captain Clark placed him in solitary confinement, hoping the conflict of these personalities might cause him to break down. So dark. So tearing. Fuck up, soldier. You're not afraid. Never have regrets. You're a man. You have a perfect right to do anything you want. Yes. Yes. And I am a man. Just, just like anyone else. Yes. You are a man. What's the mystery about it all? You know all about people. How they are, what they do. That's true. I do know. But I'm only human. Don't you remember the command? Thou shalt not Forgive me. Forgive me. Leave me alone. 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 Le